Welcome to the show that gets Christians thinking about faith and politics. Get ready to challenge the status quo, expand your imagination, and tackle controversy head on. Let's stand together at the intersection of faith and freedom. It's time for the Libertarian Christian Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Libertarian Christian Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute and part of the Christians for Liberty Network. I'm your host, Doug Stewart, and I have a series of episodes that you're going to be hearing in the coming weeks. And we're actually going to release more than just one a week for a short period of time. And the reason for that is when we were at Freedom Fest in July of 2023 in Memphis, Tennessee, we actually had a booth. And at that booth, we had a little table and we interviewed a number of individuals some names you'll actually know and recognize. They've either been guests on this show or names that you've seen and heard in the libertarian movement. But basically, we recorded a little over 20 different short interviews. So because they're short, we'll release them more than one a week for many of them, or we might combine them since some of them actually have a common theme in the interviews themselves. For example, the conservatives concerned about the death penalty. So it was not only I who performed some of the interviews, but it was also Jacob Winograd and Norman Horn. And it was actually quite a busy time at our booth. If you haven't checked out our website recently, we will post all kinds of things on Freedom Fest at libertarianchristians.com. But anyway, I'm going to let each episode speak for itself with the introduction. So without dragging this on any further, I will now let you listen to our Freedom Fest interviews. All right, so we're here at the Libertarian Christian Institute booth. My name is Doug Stewart. I'm the host of the Libertarian Christian Podcast. I'm with Jim Babka. Jim, you're the host of Grace Archie. Tell yes. us about that podcast. I always love talking about new podcasts with people because, well, people are going to be listening to this. They're going to be into podcasts. And of course, to be into podcasts means they're always looking for a new one. So yes. what's yours about? Well, and I'm thrilled to be here because I've listened to your podcast. Oh, great. Yes. And uh, we're kind of similar because okay. I'm a believer. Yeah. And I'm a libertarian. So I guess that would make me a Christian libertarian. You guys are libertarian Christian. I'm Christian libertarian. Like, yeah. how's that? We, we go back and forth. <laughs> we go with, uh, we're identifying the kind of Christian that we are yes. in that regard. Yeah. So I, you would classify me as a done? A done? D-O-N-E. Yeah. Done as with? In done with church. Done with church. Yeah. So I want to talk to the kind of the people, one of my sub audiences that I'm really interested in talking to with my libertarian show, my voluntarist show, are people who love Jesus still, but maybe they're deconstructing right now. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're done with church. That's what the done stands for. Yeah. There are people who didn't make it all the way to none. They didn't give up on the whole thing. Mm. But maybe they got hurt by the yeah, experience. Yeah. And I've been through some spiritual abuse experiences, and I have come to realize God's grace. And I've come to realize as I've been working on other projects in the libertarian movement, including the Zero Aggression Project, which, I, which sponsors our show, mm -hmm. that the thing that kind of coheres all of this is the ability for us to recognize each other in the image of God, and that God is love, and that grace is something that's given to those who don't deserve it. So if you kind of put that all together, I was excited to be here at Freedom Fest and meet Daryl Davis. I got to meet him last night. Okay. I don't really believe in hero worship, but I'm he's pretty close. Sure. Yeah. Because of he's How about uh, hero admiration. Yeah, because of the fact that he's uh, uh, helped a number of people as a black musician leave the Ku Klux Klan just by making relationship with them, right? Yeah. And I kind of view Jesus the same way. He came down into our absolute muck. I mean, the lowest of the low, the part that's hidden deep down inside us and found us. And that's the model. That's who we're supposed to model after. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested in talking about maybe some new ways of looking at the faith. And I want to have this conversation with libertarians and in front of libertarians. Yeah. Because I want them to be exposed to it too, because maybe they were uh, all along the way exposed to some forms of Christianity that were toxic and turned them off. Yeah. So my, I mean, you know, you're not supposed to talk politics and religion. I do both. 
Yeah, yeah. We actually, our founder, Norman, he actually says one of his, what do you do for a living answers, or what do you do for work, or what's the nonprofit you actually run? He's like, well, we're the worst conversational starters in the world because we, <laughs> our whole goal is to talk about the two things you're not supposed to talk about with, with people. What are some of the experiences that you said you had some experience with like spiritual abuse and that kind of thing? My guess is there's all kinds of reasons why people go through this, what we're now calling deconstruction phase in their faith or in their church experience. What are some of the ones that, that you talk about that whether you experience them or are familiar with how that works that have helped your audience? I think that there's some belief out there that science and religion, and I prefer faith because I actually think religion is destructive, that science and faith in some way are in conflict with one another. Right. I don't believe that that's true. I believe there's right. a real good conversation to be had about that. The question of hell, where people are at on that, not interested in getting deep in that today, but, sure. I, but you know, there's these things that where maybe they think God is out to get them or is judgmental. But then on a more personal level, I've had experiences in the church myself that were not pleasant or comfortable. The one that sent me the most reeling or that was most difficult for me was after we had left a couple of other churches along the way where some things had happened and it was time to move on. Just normal stuff, stuff that probably almost everybody that's gone to church has experienced. We decided that a really small church, a really tiny, intimate church would be the place for us. And we went there kind of as a last resort. In fact, uh, I was involved in helping to rename the church The Refuge after being there for several okay. years. And it really was for these people who had been to other churches and this was kind of their last stop. They're looking for a place that they're kind of safe. To make the story short, our pastor needed to step down and everybody looked to me at that moment to do it. And for six months, out of the blue, with no training or planning wow. or experience, okay. I was the pastor. But it only lasted six what months. What part of the country is this? I don't this remember. This was in Akron, Ohio. Okay. Cotton Falls, Akron, Ohio. Yeah, yeah. And I was only pastor for six months, but it ended very badly. And it mm. ended because there was another individual in the church that felt that he'd been passed over for that very job as if it was something to covet or want. Sure. And I wasn't, me being a politico, I was in the Harry Brown campaign, Libertarian Party chair. Okay, I've done all okay, kinds of stuff yeah. over my career. Me being in those roles, you know, I knew how to fight, but I, it didn't seem right to do that in church, right? And that really set me on explosion. For three years, I was kind of in the wilderness, didn't go to church at all, wasn't yeah. interested, hadn't given up on Jesus, I'd given up on that. But it was a time, as unpleasant as it was, that was very formative. It was a time that I learned an awful lot and that I'm grateful for. Yeah. So your audience, what have you heard from them, if you hear from them frequently, about how you've helped them along in their journey or just in, inform them about what's going on with what you're doing? Do you, yeah. So what, what do they say I, you know, about you? I, I've got a relative who's listening to every single episode I do who was very much a MAGA Republican, but he's really absorbing what we're covering and enjoying it immensely and a huge fan. He wants me everywhere now that he's listening to the show. Yeah. So that's a really exciting experience. I have a guy that I've done work with over the years quite a bit, and he has been listening to virtually every show. Not a believer at all, but he's like, man, this is the message the world needs. And so he's written an article already about me. He's about to write another one because he's got his own publication on Substack, and uh, he has previous experience yeah. doing that. So there's been some really positive feedback from people that I didn't necessarily expect to get it from yeah. who aren't in that. And that's, I, so I'm hoping that the message that we have here kind of transcends. It's interesting because the people that I'm talking to or that we've initially targeted for the first year, because we haven't really done promotion yet, the people we targeted for the first year were largely people who have been following us in the Zero Aggression Project all these years. And so it's a secular, libertarian, voluntarist audience, right? Yeah, okay. And so, I, you know, I've been worried about exposing too many of the faith-related messages to them and focused a bit more on the political ones, but the shows that have gotten some of the highest 
audience views yeah. are the ones that touch on those I'm not surprised. Matters. People are hungry for I, I do think something has really happened yeah. since COVID in particular. I really do think there's like an awakening happening right yeah. now. And so that's been interesting. Like some of the feedback that I've gotten on that front has also been interesting. Wow, that's interesting. So is this usually like a solo kind of thing? Like you just get on and talk no, or do you do interviews? No, How are I, you doing I could that? do it. I'm capable of monologuing. In fact, I actually feel like I'm a, tw- a twin hitter here. I also had a syndicated radio show back in the late aughts. And so I feel like I can interview yeah. and be a guest and host. Like I can monologue. I guess that's a triple threat. But uh, we set this show up. There was a gentleman who pursued me for a, nearly a year. He had interviewed me on his podcast. And he's like, their show is called Authentic Human Outliers. And they interviewed two dozen people roughly before they interviewed me. And he said, we had outliers. You weren't unique that way, but you were the most authentic. There was something really mm. interesting there. And he really pursued me for nearly a year to come do this. And I had done radio before. I'd even tried podcasting once where I was largely monologuing and decided to do it with him. His name's Bill Protzman. Okay. And so Bill's great because he comes at things more as, you know, every man and, uh, you know, not steeped in this stuff on a day-to-day yeah. basis like we are. And so he kind of interacts on the audience's behalf for me, right? He sometimes brings up questions that necessarily wouldn't occur to me because I'm on a different thought pattern. He'll interrupt yeah. that thought pattern and say something to me. So it's a little bit of me monologue-ish, but he yeah. is... So you're the, uh, you carry the conversation in a lot of ways. Yes, but he's the moderator and I'm the yeah. host and it's a yeah. really good relationship. It, I'm really do you ever bring other people on for that? Yes, we've had some yeah. guests on. We've yeah. had, well, from here, Spike Cohen and Joe Jorgensen. Joe's our most listened to podcast, been on there. We had two guests in particular that I was really happy with the outcome. They're very timeless episodes. We had Stephen Barrows, who's with the Acton Institute on. Mm-hmm. And we talked with him. He started off doing Austrian economics, you know, went through a complete argument there, and then went beyond talking about birth rates and why a growing population is good for a culture and a society, first on an economic level, and then he got into some of the other stuff because he's a Catholic and, mm-hmm. and very interested in those issues at the social level. And I learned a lot about China and what they were going through, but also what the entire planet's going through with basically birth rates being below replacement level right now and why it's beneficial. That was a timeless, wonderful cast we did. And then the other one was Dwayne Lester, who's with the grassroots training program that's run by uh, AFP. He came in and talked to people about how to have conversations mm-hmm. and not make enemies. And that was another really timeless piece. And it was fit very well with a message. It's about grace. Yeah, yeah. Hey, folks, I just want to take a break from our episode to not do an advertisement because we don't do advertisements, although I guess you could call this an advertisement. I'm going to ask you to consider becoming an LCI insider. We want everyone to feel engaged and excited about what LCI is doing. And the best way to do that is if you become a monthly supporter at $20 or more per month, you will become what we're calling our LCI Insiders. You get some free gifts. You get an exclusive Crisis King magnetic lapel pin. We give you two copies of Faith Seeking Freedom. We send monthly eBooks months ahead of when they're released on our public website. You can get discounts on our swag on our online store, and you get exclusive invites to our quarterly live streams with the LCI staff. In addition to that, whenever we do publish something like a physical book like Strangers with Candy, we'll also send you those as well. So the best way to stay up to date on what we're doing and to support what the Libertarian Christian Institute is doing, including supporting the podcast you're listening to right now, is to become an LCI insider. So to do that, go to libertarianchristians.com slash donate and then choose recurring monthly gift and you'll be added to our list automatically. Thank you for your support and I'll let you get back to the podcast. So let's talk a little bit about liberty and Christianity. For you, what is the biggest, most important part of that intersection? 
So I think there's something really overlooked, and I'm looking to fill a niche in terms of bringing that out too. For those people who are familiar, I can, uh, let me back up one step before I do this. I realize I want to say one thing before this. I watched Ron Paul on television in a debate in 2012, or very early 2012, mm-hmm. evoke a golden rule in foreign policy and a South Carolina Republican Absolutely. audience booed yep. him. And that yeah. moment blew my mind. And it's a, one of the most important moments in my life because I decided after I was going to do that to write an article about the golden rule, which we ended up publishing at the Zero Aggression Project. It's kind of an open letter type of thing. Yeah. And I began going on radio shows and podcasts that was not planned. They called me because the thing got went viral and people talked about it. And there was no exceptions. I did three or four shows, but there was every case, there was at least one host that was not a believer, even atheists. And every one of them said, during commercial breaks or afterwards, or even during the show, said, if this was Christianity, I would be interested. Mm. So they were turned off by the crowd booing. They didn't like it. Right after that happened, though, I was on a little bit of a journey. I was poking around and uh, found, discovered Rene Girard. And that helped explain a lot to me about why we have conflict in our world, maybe even what the definition of sin might even be. And that has influenced me pretty heavily so I believe that one of the things that I can now, to answer your question, can bring to the table is a discussion about a Christ-centered anthropology. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of Christians are really good about the Christ-centered theology, right? But a Christ-centered anthropology, what does it mean that Jesus was a man, mm-hmm. a fully man, that he suffered like we suffered, that he experienced that he that he lowered himself and came and dwelt in a tabernacle like we have? What does that mean? What are the practical applications of that? And so that's the kind of thing I want to uh, I want to get yeah. into exploring, and not and I, you won't be surprised by the punchline. It ends up looking pretty libertarian. <laughs> well, that that's a really important intersection. I mean, we've we've explored uh, Rene Girard and mimetic theory. Actually, I did a little bit of a Greek tutoring, or not? Sorry, I did a little bit of learning Greek, uh, New Testament Greek, and one of my tutors was a student of Rene Girard. Oh, um, that's and cool. so yeah, that was cool. I, I didn't last the whole quote unquote program because I had to do other things, but I got to learn a lot from him about Rene Girard and of course a little bit of Greek, as much as I put in the little bit that I put into it. Yeah. So we definitely recognize the importance of a. Christ-centered anthropology. So that's and that's something that I don't think got covered very well in church. Honestly, you know, I was uh, the way I was raised. I went to Christian school. We had Christian radio playing in the car. Mm -hmm. We were Baptists, so we were there Sunday school, Sunday morning service, Sunday night, Wednesday night service. Every time the youth group had something going on, I was at it. At my school, my Christian school, we had chapel twice a week and Bible class five days a week. Okay, I was getting it right. And I really don't remember this being discussed. I don't really remember us talking about Jesus' humanity as a real human being, right? Do you know what N.T. Wright says? He says a lot of people, a lot of Christians imagine Jesus walking around about two inches above reality being God all over the place. Yes, that's exactly I'm right. Like, that's such a and perfect description. And it's not useful. Yeah. And so I'm really moved by the grace message. I'm excited. We're going to be having a theologian I respect on my show here shortly. We're going to be, we just set the recording date right after I got on the road here. Yeah. His name's Baxter Kruger. And he, he uh-huh. talks about grace and he talks specifically from a Trinitarian perspective. So I'm very, very interested in bringing the Trinitarian perspective back into things, too, that God is relationship, and we were created to have relationship with him. Yeah. What does that mean? And then what does it mean that Jesus walked around as a man? Or what does the Imago Dei mean? Yeah. Like these things are profound and important, and these conversations, to me, naturally lead 
to a res- position of human respect, of libertarianism. Yeah, yeah. You said earlier that your primary target for this podcast was you were able to market to people who you knew through the Zero Regression Project. So did I understand that correctly? Yeah, that was, so they're the initial audience. They're the, your initial the audience. Yep. So how has the targeting an initial audience that isn't quite Christian or may not be, but might be seeking or may not be, how's that affected your ability to reach others with the gospel? I think actually it's enhanced it. For most of my career, I've not hidden the fact that I was a believer, but I haven't really talked about it. So I go all the way back. I come into the libertarian movement with Harry Brown's campaign in 1996. By 1998, I'm state chair of my party. And in 2000, I'm on his campaign working as his press secretary. And I've been working full time in this movement ever since, nonstop. I took a case all the way to the Supreme Court with an organization called RealCampaignReform.org, challenging the McCain-Feingold laws. I co-founded Downsize DC, and that was my full-time job up until 2019. So this is what I've been doing this whole time. And all of that time, there was a increasing comfort with being open about who I was, but I still wasn't doing it emphatically. Mm-hmm. This show is me doing it emphatically. Yeah. It's me starting to step out. And, and some of this, honestly, it's, it's, you know, I shared the story and the pain I went through with that whole pastor situation a few moments ago. But some of it I think is age. It's interesting to me as I get older and I gain perspective as I get older. I'm 55, so I'm old as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's two thirds over, right? Yeah. You look at the final third of your life and you're looking back now at what you've accomplished and what you've done. Did you do something? And and you're thinking much longer term because you have kids that have grown up and you're starting to think about the next generation. And and it now it seems to me, it, it, I just can't not talk about it if that makes sense. Because I see a lot of the problems and I realize the futility, it's almost an Ecclesiastes type of view, Mm -hmm. the futility of all the politics and stuff that we do, it just doesn't work. And after having been at this for so long, I realized that that's, I started off with this really small piece of the puzzle that was political action. First, I was in electoral politics, if you were listening to the story. Then I was in issue-based, like I I was skipping the the, the getting people elected and trying to focus on policy. And then I moved into philosophy with the Zero Aggression Project at around the time that Ron Paul got booed. And now I'm at spirituality. I'm at God. I'm at that level looking at it from there. So there's been an evolution in me that's taken mm-hmm. place over time. And it's basically been futility kicking me to the next level. Yeah, okay, okay. So one more question for you. The Liberty Movement, I've been getting this question here at our booth a little bit. There has been somewhat of a stereotype that most libertarians are probably atheists or agnostic or maybe anti-God. And I'm sure Ayn Rand's influence on the movement has affected that stereotype. But we know, the Libertarian Christians do, we know that there are a ton of Christians that are working in liberty organizations all across, I mean, all on this floor that we're on mm-hmm. right now, right? Yep. And there's, yep. and we meet all kinds of people that, that, that work for these organizations. Oh, I'm a Christian too, I'm a Christian. And so you just give a story that's saying you weren't op- open and upfront about it. Um, sorry, that's not the right way to put it. That you weren't like out there wearing it on your sleeve right. as a Christian. In your experience, is that pretty typical in the movement? And it's almost a, I want to say dirty little secret, but that's not, that's a, clean, wonderful so secret. when I joined in 1996, I will actually say the environment was less receptive okay. to believers being around. So it has gotten much more receptive over time. Secondly, I think our culture is going through a real shift right now. I think that the worship of the state, the worship of science, the worship of other institutions that both conservatives and progressives were engaged in at different levels and different degrees, all of that stuff is crumbling right in front of us, particularly since the pandemic, but overall. And I think that people are having an awakening right now. I'm actually very, very excited overall about yeah. the country that, that I think there's some tough times coming, but I also think there's people's eyes are much more open than they were before. And that's exciting to me. 
And I think they have a hunger and they're looking for spirituality. So the fact that like, you know, I, I'm doing my show and the topics that have the most attraction right now are not necessarily the political topics, but more the spiritual ones. Yeah. I see that as another sign too. I think there's a hunger and an interest in these things, but this definitely the case that the tolerance level for it has gone up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really great. Well, Jim, I really appreciate you uh, having this conversation with me. I want to chat with you more. So maybe after Freedom Fest, when we're detoxed from all of the hyper, yes, hyper activity around here, uh, we can have a further conversation, especially about mimetic theory, because I want to yes. talk a little bit about well, I that. I hope you mean that because I, I love what you guys are doing. Yeah. I'm thrilled that you're there and I would love to be. Yes, to absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, where, where can people find your podcast? So we're Grace Arkey. We are on uh, the Zero Aggression Project, Zap the State. Zap the state and have a nice day, right? At Zap the state on YouTube. <laughs> and we are also on all the major podcasting platforms, except for Apple. We will be shortly, but we're okay. on Spotify and, yeah. and, and Google Podcasts and so forth. Awesome. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, Doug. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Libertarian Christian Podcast. If you liked today's episode, we encourage you to rate us on Apple Podcasts to help expand our audience. If you want to reach out to us, email us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. You can also reach us at LCI Official on Twitter. And of course, we are on Facebook and have an active group you are welcome to join. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Libertarian Christian Podcast is a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute, a registered 501c3 nonprofit. If you'd like to find out more about LCI, visit us on the web at libertarianchristians.com. The voiceovers are by Matt Bellis and Catherine Williams. As of episode 115, our audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at podsworth.com.